0: Welcome to Screen Run. I'm your host, the Lady One, and I'm here with Chris Scalza. Screen Run is the show where Chris and I cover the works of one particular artist each season, and season one is all about Kevin Smith. We are here in episode four. It is time to cover Smith's fourth film, Dogma. Is this is why I had to come down here this morning, man. This is why I had to miss my cartoons. You call me, you tell me it's important. We're going home. Take it, man, and quit leering at me. People are gonna think I just broke up with you. Two fallen angels have just discovered a loophole that can get them
1: back into heaven. Outstanding work! All they have to do is get to Red Bank, New Jersey. There's only one problem.
0: With me. Stop a couple of angels from entering and thus negating all existence. I hate it when people need it spelled out for them. Now, I'm to charge you
1: with a holy crusade. One person has been chosen to stop them,
0: but she won't have to do it alone.
1: I'm Jay, this is my head of
0: life mate, Sam Bob. you got to be kidding me. prophet. And then i speaking. What about sex? No sex.
1: There's just a certain charm to those
0: 90s trailers. <laughs> I wish it would come back. Mm. <laughs> I love it. So Dogma came out in 1999, and IMDb describes the plot as an abortion clinic worker with a special heritage is called upon to save the existence of humanity from being negated by two renegade angels trying to exploit a loophole and re-enter heaven. So... Linda Fiorentino is our lead, but if you look at the poster, you would think this movie is about Matt Damon and Ben Affleck.
1: I think, too, you, we're trying to capitalize, right? Because when this yes. came out, they had won their Academy Awards for Good uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, Goodwill Hunting.
0: Yeah, they actually, it was during the filming of this that they had to, you know, bop out for a night, go collect their Oscars, and then come back and get back to work playing Fallen Angels, so... The studio went all in with the Ben and Matt stuff, put them at the front of the poster. They're really like the B-plot, this movie, but they're still driving the action, but because mm-hmm. uh, it's Matt and Ben, it's highlighted for sure.
1: And they probably are more of the, the fun of the film. If I had to choose a driving force of entertainment in the film, mm-hmm. I think it's, the, it, the film is much more alive, I think, when they're on screen, more so than maybe when uh, Fiorentino's on screen.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're they're the lively adventure going on, and she's sort of like the reluctant person trying to go prevent slash clean up this mess. Mm. So there was quite a bit of controversy when this movie came out, and we can talk about the disclaimers at the beginning of this film. Um, Literally from the jump in the movie, you get a disclaimer basically saying, please don't take this movie seriously. (laughs) Please understand this is a comedy. Right. And then, uh, of course, Kevin Smith had to take the piss and uh, kind of mock the disclaimers that he had to put in by making them even sillier than than they start off to be. I didn't know about this movie when it came out. I didn't see it until after it had already kind of come and gone. But you kind of saw the controversy when it happened.
1: Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'll give you a, a little taste of it here from the actual this is ripped straight from the dvd menu folks so there's Uh some quality content that i don't know you can really even hear anymore
0: millions of folks chose not to see this hateful film at the theater we were there protesting trying to keep your neighborhood's wholesome movie house or multiplex free of this abomination some people saw it and it's too late for them but there is still hope for you don't watch this movie
1: so, and unfortunately, not a lot of people did watch it. And we can talk a little bit why that was. And it really had nothing to do with the controversy. And I actually had, was right in the, the epicenter of kind of this happening, because when this came out, I was actually managing a movie theater, right? Ooh. So I, but nothing happened, right? So, and it, now, granted, uh, I was in the northwest corner of Connecticut, not exactly the cultural hotbed of New England, <laughs> but still. All of this stuff that happened around this film, part of it had to do a little bit with Columbine Mm. that had happened previously. But it was more this kind of driving force of the Catholic League. And what happened back in the 90s, there were some organizations that would boycott and protest these type of things, but they were very small. And what they would do is they would represent themselves as Being part of this large movement when really it would be maybe a couple dozen people writing letters. Yeah. That's typically how this all shook out. So, were there protests at theaters? Maybe there was a couple in New York and LA. I don't really Mm -hmm. even remember that. But there was really no vast movement. And in the end, you want to kind of have that, right? Because the whole free publicity. But one of the fun things about this too at the time is Smith actually infiltrated a couple of the protests. And he protested <laughs> his own film with them. I remember that yep. clearly happening at the time, which was very amusing to me. But the whole thing was very overblown. Yeah. And in really, as Smith says, as you pointed out, he kind of has fun with it and he even mentions in the opening of the screening. And I watched this with both commentaries as well when he talks about it, that basically if you were able to, if you took this film seriously, once the poop monster shows up, he doesn't, he's like, he doesn't know what to tell you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, so here's the thing is I didn't see this movie until, God, I want to say it was probably like 2002, Well, we were five when it came out. <laughs> 13. I saw it though, but here's the problem. It was one of those movies that like Comedy Central put on all the time and so I was watching it on comedy Central all the time so they obviously there's none of the language that is in the movie the entire shit demon sequence is cut like really it, and it's really? it doesn't it doesn't exist in wow. the TV cut there is no television appropriate way to start that scene and have it continue so literally they're in the huh. strip club and then they're just out of the strip club. Okay, None wait, of it wait, wait. happens.
1: Let's pump the brakes for a second. Yeah. So we can be in a strip club. Yes. But we can't show a poo demon. Correct. That's where we are.
0: Correct. Uh, I, I, I yeah. mean, I
1: guess continuity-wise, you have to figure out a way to have Hayek's character in there. I guess so. You can't really cut yeah. that scene. Maybe, yeah. But I, I don't know. I think you're 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 doing some. Uh... <laughs> Some really mean gymnastics there to try and cut that out. But I, it, I guess that so. It mean, must have been an interesting experience watching a sanitized version of this film. So, did you enjoy that viewing of it? How many dozens of times you watched it, it sounds like? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I thought it was great because, you know, I, I was in high school and I was like, I can tell what words they're saying. I'm familiar with these words. <laughs> but other than that, I didn't really, because it's Comedy Central, like they would, they would, it wasn't like the way that like TBS will edit a movie where they just are saying like freaking all the time. Like they'll just kind of like put a blur over someone's mouth or they'll just like drop the sound out for a second. And I don't know if that, that way bothers me less when you're censoring a movie. Mm -hmm. So I'm watching it along thinking I like know what this movie is. I watched it so many times on comedy central that my religious parents got it for me for Christmas on DVD. Huh? And then I watched it on DVD and was like, "Wait, what now?" Because <laughs> I literally didn't know the entire Shit Demon part was in it. Wow! Like I'm watching the movie and I'm like, "What is happening?" <laughs> that
1: must have been quite a revelation for you to see that thing sure come to life.
0: Was. Yeah.
1: Well, I think that's one of the more interesting things you say because you, you say your, your religious parents bought this for you. For with yes. all the controversy this film endured, it is a very pro-faith film. Yeah. It's not. I think pro- that's why they
0: bought it for me.
1: May, yeah, I mean it's not pro potentially individual religions, right? But it has a very strong pro faith message throughout the whole thing, even with all the violence, even with all the profanity, even with mm-hmm. all with that with all the poo demons. Clearly, we can <laughs> see which of the two of us is the classier. But I yeah. just, um, yeah, no, I, it's it's interesting. That was one of the things that I made. I didn't recall as much when I had this revisit was how pro-faith it really was. Yes. I remember more just kind of being a comedy that uh, was a send-up of all these kind of different beliefs kind of missing. But I was in, you know, I was probably in my, was this, 1999? So I'm in my early, very early 20s at that point. And I'm in my whole, you know, uh, modern atheist Christopher Christopher Hitchens type role, right? Where I'm (laughs) all about logic, over feelings that type Mm -hmm. of thing you know which unfortunately some people nowadays never seem to progress out of that uh stage but still once you kind of learn you get old and you realize how just crazy that position really is either way (laughs) i so i took it more as that religious satire which it is uh but missed kind of that other really strong portion of the film
0: yeah just for some extra background my dad was raised catholic and then I had to do the basic stuff when I was a kid. I had to do catechism. I had to have my first communion and then my mom is English. So those people don't really do religion. The Church of England only exists so the divorce could be a thing. Like right. it's just it's not a religious country. So my mom was like, "Whatever." But then my parents became like I don't I don't know how to say like conservative religious later, but mm-hmm. they they kind of did. We went to a lot of weird churches. We went to ones with like flags and like I'm going to sing until the spirit moves me to get into the sermon that kind of stuff and it was in that phase of life that they were like oh she's watching this movie all the time god is in the movie i don't i don't honestly have no idea what they thought i was watching but they (laughs) sought it out and got it for me for christmas one year and i was super excited and clearly they had no idea what they had bought me right clearly like no clue at all which i know because i used it against my dad when he wouldn't let me go see Once Upon a Time in Mexico because it was Rated R. And I was like, but you bought me a Rated R movie. And he was Mm -hmm. like, I never did that. And I was like, I'll be right back. Brought that DVD out. (laughs) I was like, this is what's in this movie. And he's like, well, now I want to take that DVD away. I'm like, you can't. You gave it to me for Christmas. I've already seen it.
1: You're lucky he didn't take it away. I don't know if that would have (laughs) worked with my family.
0: Yeah. No, he, he let me keep it on my reasoning. And I went and saw Once Upon a Time in Mexico anyway
1: interesting that's it's a bit of a leap from dogma but yeah and i i, I want to point out too that <laughs> the catholic church never said a peep about this film they never made any statement whatsoever it was just the catholic league and yeah. maybe some other loose of evangelical organizations but protests and all that stuff it wasn't quite as big as maybe um people remember or would have thought mm-hmm. it would have been it really wasn't
0: yeah it's a little a little overhyped Mm-hmm. controversy
1: hey it'll help sell some tickets though i think i assume so
0: i hope it did i hope so
1: so kevin smith right you um this may be in your notes so if i'm cutting you off at the pass, i apologize he had written this one over years and actually had written it mm. was kind of planned for it to be his clerk sequel but they realized it was too large and ambitious a film for them to tackle next mm-hmm. but what i really enjoyed or thought enjoyed about it you know is is smith's really working through something here right i think he is out of his prior so chasing amy is kind of dealing with his youth and his you know machismo his male bravado growing up you know as a teen late teens early 20s and coming to terms with you know other people have lives outside of you type of a thing right (laughs) And here, he's working through a lot of the stuff that he was going through, dealing with his own religion and his own beliefs and his own faith growing up as well, which I found really interesting. And Mm -hmm. what's fascinating to me is, okay, let me just say that nostalgia is powerful. And just (laughs) like Chasing Amy, the worrying thing about me with this one is that this was going to hit me like a tsunami of nostalgia. I mean, you know how kind of smells or certain songs kind of bring you back yes. to an exact moment, right? <laughs> well, this film did that for me as well. Uh in fact when Alanis Morris set still hits at the end of the film, it, it brought me right back to that movie theater when I was I could I could remember clearly sitting in the seats. What we would do is we would get this the film and the night before it was supposed to come out, uh all of the staff and I, we would watch it like after we closed and we'd watch yeah. whatever the big release was a little early. One of my favorite stories is when we did that with Blair Witch, which we can, in the story I oh, can tell you another what? time. But oh my God. this is back to when people weren't sure if it was real or not. Yeah. Anyway. So I remember clearly being in this, and I, I had the poster for this, which I still wish I had because it, it uh, unfortunately got damaged when in a move. Aw. Oh. But the thing, I'm curious, I have a question for you with nostalgia. Do you what I was very curious about and concerned about is being able to give this thing an honest review and being able to put aside all of the affection and everything that I had and everything that was going on in my life at that time. And can I revisit it today? I think I can. What about you? Do you think nostalgia ever impacts you when you watch certain things or experience certain things I. that colors things for you?
0: I think it, it depends on what it is just how intense the effect is so like earlier in in our season we talked about mall rats and I just I I got such like nostalgia for mall rats like yeah passing out on the couch at a friend's house while the DVD menu was running on a loop like it's just I just love it despite the flaws but this one, even though this is so dogma is the first Kevin Smith movie that I saw because it just sort of presented itself to me on Comedy Central. I did not have to seek it out. It just happened to me. Yep. And I, it was I got super into it because, you know, I'm watching it like Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are already Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. And then I'm going in and I'm, like, on IMDb, like, on dial-up, looking up, like, stuff in the message boards, people talking about this movie. And I'm like, oh, my God, they're in a bunch of this guy's movies. Like, it it really set off, like, a movie nerd thing for yeah. me. And I thought I was going to be the same way, like, watching this. I'm going to be like, no, I'm not going to be able to see how, like, I'm going to be obsessed with this movie all over again. And, and it kind of wasn't. I was kind of like, oh, this is... Parts of this is great, and then the other parts, I'm like, when are we getting to the next good part? Like, mm-hmm. I really was able to just kind of watch it, f- just for what it is. It's it's good. It's not my favorite. It's yeah. I I somehow was able to separate just how this movie set me off into being like a huge movie nerd, versus the actual content of the film itself.
1: I think this thing really works, and I I am surprised actually how well this thing works and how well it holds up i think there's a lot of moving parts and this is the biggest film smith has made to date right i'm not talking just budgetarily i'm just talking about all the moving pieces in the cast so he's recommended by one of the producers which is one of the more interesting things about the audio commentary is that when you listen if you listen to it if you can find it because the blu-ray is out of print you're going to pay 80 bucks for it which is (laughs) on the cheap end which is crazy to me uh it's not available digitally Nope. Um, uh, so I luckily have my old DVD. So I'm, you could probably get the DVD cheap. I don't know how much of a pull there is for the DVD, I confess. But the, So every time they mentioned the, the, the distributor originally, that ended up dropping them because of the controversy. They were so concerned about it, which okay. is just, I don't... It, it was a different time, folks, let me tell you. People were a lot more concerned about this stuff than they really needed to be. But they're bleeped out. Every mention of Miramax is yeah. bleeped out in the commentary. Yeah. And both. Yeah, it's crazy. Th- there's the cast and crew commentary, and then there's the technical commentary with just him, Mosher, and the uh, guy that's a historian whose name I'm blanking on. I apologize. And they're clearly talking about Miramax, which is yeah. interesting to me. Because it ended up being picked up by Lionsgate. They're the ones that distributed it. But it's... So they recommended that they get a real kind of a, a headlining cast. And that's one of the big strengths about this film. And it was the absolute right decision. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this thing would have worked as well if he had cast Joey Lauren Adams like he had originally intended to, right? Yeah. If Jason Lee mm-hmm. played Loki like they had originally intended yeah. to. I don't know if this thing would have worked as well. What are your thoughts about that?
0: I, I totally agree. I I don't think... It feels like a film if it's just a bunch of his, like, regular people coming back over and over in just different, different, slightly different roles. I think having Linda Fiorentino and having Selma Hayek and having Chris Rock and Alan Rickman, like, all of that makes it feel like a fucking movie mm-hmm. instead of, like a Kevin Smith picture, you know, like it just yeah. makes it feel so much bigger. And it is hilarious to me that like the mention of Miramax is just like bleeped out mm-hmm. when they just trash the hell out of Gramercy in the Mole Rats commentary. Yes. <laughs> like from the jump, it's like, oh here's fucking Gramercy. They ruined this. Like it is it's so funny to me. But, you know, I guess we know that you know Miramax is not gonna have that have that go down that way. I think that the casting is super vital to this actually being something that that more people would enjoy outside of just like people who like his work you know i think it gave it a broader appeal for sure
1: yeah and i think the film itself is a big step forward for smith not just with a with a larger more a-list cast and mm-hmm. i mean you have linda fiorentino salma hayek you have uh, jason well jason means alan rickman chris rock right you have yeah. all these kind of big names particularly alan rickman who is an absolute joy in this thing and probably my so favorite good. character in it, though I'm probably spoiling our later segment. Either way, it's, but it's a, he also in, in introduces some camera tricks and some different things, which he hasn't done before. There's some mm-hmm. dissolves and wipes. This is the first film he shot in scope, right? So there, mm-hmm. is, there is some improvement and some forward momentum in a Kevin Smith film, which I'm very yeah. excited about. And as I'm going through this with you, saddens me. <laughs> Because we're right now, right? We're on the uptick with Smith. I think like yeah. I'm watching this thing and I'm thinking things can only get better. In one of the commentaries, he he drops an insult on M. Night Shyamalan and P.T. <laughs> Anderson. Ooh. So I, and then when I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, man, you want to talk about two directors whose careers took divergent paths. We can talk about this maybe at the end when we're done, but is he just limited as a filmmaker, he jokes about it all the time that he mm-hmm. is a limited filmmaker, and I'm wondering if that is, is indeed the case, that he very much is limited, that he's a guy, he, he prefers dialogue. He prefers yeah. a couple people or two people talking to each other and then just sitting a camera, right, just sitting it down on a table or putting it on a stand there and then just filming two people talking, which is mm-hmm. fine, yeah. but... That seems to be his thing. Now, I, I, as I said I enjoy that we expand a little bit here, and I, how, for all of my love for Chasing Amy, I think Dogma mm-hmm. is actually very, very good as well. But I, it just it, part of me as I'm watching this, I'm wa- it's, it works for me on the revisit. I'm having a lot of fun with it, but I'm also slightly sad because I know I feel that things don't. We have a couple high moments to come. But I wonder if this is the top. Is this the zeitgeist of the rest of this of this run?
0: I, I mean, I don't know. we just we got to keep rolling through. I re- yeah. I, I'm very excited to to continue going through all of his movies because I never watched them in the order they were made. You mm-hmm. know, you don't have to do that at all. Um, so you know it's not like I'm revisiting the MCU and I'm like no I gotta watch them the order they came out these movies true. you know they are not building
1: he, towards something
0: yeah exactly it's just you're watching someone's career progress and so it will be interesting to watch how you know just cause you keep doing something for longer doesn't mean you get necessarily better at it so so
1: <laughs> well, let me ask you is this film dated at all oh uh, for me, I feel like, yeah. For me, I feel like at this time, there are times now where I think audiences today may be a little more sophisticated. And I don't know if this thing would have as much of an appeal today as it did to me, and particularly to certain audiences in the uh, late 90s.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It feels even like the fact that it came out in 99 seems kind of late. Like, Like, this feels more like a 97. Movie. <laughs> like I know that's not that far apart but like the fact that there was like any sort of discussion about like what this movie was and was saying even though it's a comedy this movie comes out the same year as Fight Club it comes out the same year as American Beauty like people are mad about this movie <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean like it doesn't it doesn't feel yeah there it's it definitely has that that late 90s feel But to me, like 99 feels kind of crazy because I feel like by 99, like stuff's starting to change quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And this doesn't feel like it's part of that change. This feels like it's right before it.
1: Right. No, I think that's actually very well put. I think you're exactly right about that. But overall, it's an odd conflag, I can't say the word. It's an (laughs) odd combination (laughs) (laughs) of, I think, a relatively high concept. I think yeah. this is a, in a lot of ways, a very smart film and very clever in how it tackles its subject matter, crossed with a whole bunch of dick jokes. Yeah, and that's Kevin Smith's wheelhouse, right?
0: Totally, totally.
1: So, how did this hold out for you then? What what did you think this of this revisiting?
0: You know, I I enjoyed it. I still really do like this movie, but it felt <laughs> to me it felt a little long. Probably because I was watching it on TV for so long, mm. um, and yeah, like there, it's. I just wanted it to be funnier. I felt like I remembered laughing at it a lot more, and this kind of go around. I, you know, I watched it a couple of times. I didn't really laugh out loud that much, and yeah. I was like, oh, is it not as funny or like? I don't is it me? Is it the movie? I don't know. So I genuinely just didn't enjoy it as much because I just I wasn't chuckling the way I have been. Even even though I was, you know, struggling through chasing Amy, you can hear me have a hard time there. There were still moments that that got me there. And and this one is sort of. Yeah, I just didn't quite enjoy it as much. I wanted to laugh way more
1: well but what about this? this thing is this is this is this is church law it's not divine mandate church laws are fallible because they're created by men one of the last sacred promises parted to peter the first pope by the son of god before he left was whatever you hold true on earth I- i'll hold true in heaven it's dogmatic law the church says it's so. God must adhere. This thing has a papal sanction. Let it never be said that your anal retentive attention to detail never yielded positive results. You can't be anal retentive if you don't have an anus. Outstanding work. <laughs> so, I agree with you. I think at the time when I saw this, I found it uproarious. I, yeah. like, I thought it was hilarious and one of the funniest mm-hmm. things I had ever seen. And I enjoyed it. I really yeah. it, and it's weird. I I just I enjoyed this revisit. I had a lot of fun with it. I laughed a couple times. I didn't you know cry from laughing or anything like to that mm-hmm. to that end. But for me, it was still a great time. I still had a lot of fun. We rewatching this thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's still good. It's still good. And Matt Damon and Ben Affleck together are just, just delightful. Oh, for sure. (laughs) That exchange is my favorite in the entire movie. Mm -hmm. Just like the bouncing rhythm of their back and forth is just, it makes me like kick my legs watching them do it. I love that scene.
1: (laughs) That that scene is a blast. There's a lot of great scenes. So you know what's funny too? In the airport scene, uh, I don't know if if you caught this. I I don't recall which commentary. I think it's on the fun commentary. Yeah, Right. Is Is that Gwyneth Paltrow is actually sitting next to Affleck at that airport (laughs)
0: scene. just were... her shoulder just like casually in there yeah, no yeah because they deal. were
1: dating at the time so that was a neat little thing is, it up? is there anything from the commentaries or anything to you wanted
0: to point out not from the commentary exactly mm-hmm. but i i want to revisit what we talked about earlier in Please. in the show was i was right that we have grant hicks our local news guy i told you he was a news guy mm-hmm. <laughs> i knew brian o'halloran was a newsman yep um so, so yeah, I mean, it's obviously they, they mention him. He's, he's recurring as the newsman. He's in the beginning and then he comes back at the end when on, when, you know, the apocalypse is low key happening. He's still reporting live. He's dedicated to his job. It's a much better uh, or much more dedicated newsman than, you know, <laughs> Dante was a clerk. So <laughs> at least one of the hicks is dedicated to his job.
1: We do get another clerks alumni in this one too, right?
0: Yes. Yeah, uh, so (laughs) Jeff Anderson, Randall from clerks is our gun store clerk, but he is clearly not Randall because Randall would have been just like reading a comic book, not even helping people buy guns, (laughs) like people would have just been coming in, picking stuff up and walking out. So we know that can't be Randall, but Jeff Anderson is back as a clerk, Um, our other kind of view askew connections. Uh, fanboy Walt and Steve Dave are now protesting at the abortion clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, they've moved on from hanging out, trying to get Stanley's autograph, and now they're—I guess—they're pro-life, so they're hanging out outside sure. the abortion clinic. Scott Mosier is our adulterer on the bus. Ethan Subley is the voice of the shit demon,
1: modulated, but yeah,
0: yes, yeah, he's he's back in there. Obviously, like our our big ones, Ben Affleck and Jason Lee starring again. Matt Damon cameoed in Chasing Amy, and now he's starring in this one. And then we have Dwight Ewell, Hooper X, is in the strip club scene.
1: So that strip club scene, there is a, for the Viewers' Skew fans out there, there was a cut scene from this film. Where there's a supposedly legendary fat Albert scene. Alright. So I want I'm I'm gonna play that for you now, and I wanna we're gonna talk about that for a second. What's
0: doing? Oh, man. Oh, this is sing it. And I'm gonna sing a song for you. Oh, Hell yeah! Show you a thing or two. Nudes to the nips, to the nudes, nudes, nudes. You'll have some hey, you. me and all again. gang. Represent, represent. Burning from each other, <laughs> we do our thing. Nudes, nudes, nudes. And it was nudes dance. Nudes, nudes, at the back slam. <laughs>
1: So there's, in this strip club scene,
0: mm.
1: Serendipity played by Salma Hayek. Yeah. So Salma Hayek is a muse, right? And she uses her abilities to basically get Smith and Jay, as well as uh, Dwight Ewell and his gang, uh, to kind of compete with each other by how much money they're going to pay her. And mm-hmm. Smith ends up pulling out more cash, which in a cut scene, you see actually he pulls out a gun and basically mm-hmm. threatens to kill them. Now, it cuts, though, before that. You never see that happen. Yeah. The full yeah. scene... No, okay, so Smith says... All right, I'm trying... How do I word this? So <laughs> what happens is Muse and Smith stand up, right? So they're confronted by this gang. And Muse goes, starts ripping into Ewell and his gang. And it's exceptionally racist. Okay, he talks about how big his lips are, their love for watermelon and calls them a monkey. Now, Smith, before the the scene is shot, he talks, he brings in Chris Rock. He brings in Yule. He brings everybody who's going to be in the scene together. And they talk for an hour about how he is. This is a satire on racist tropes. He's trying to make a point about how dumb and ridiculous this is. But the problem is it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Why would Jay do that? He does that because he thinks Kevin, Smith, that Silent Bob is is strapped, right? He's, he's that he's got a gun, and when he finds out Bob doesn't have a gun, he they both get scared, and so Serendipity plants Fat Albert into their head because he knows because she knows that Ewell and his gang are huge fans of Fat Albert and the gang, mm-hmm. so she plants in Smith's head and Jay's head to do this little performance on this, on the stage to kind of make everything okay. Yeah. But it is very, I'm going to be charitable now. All right. I'm not saying Smith is a racist. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that this is a very misguided attempt of trying to make some kind of moral statement and it mm-hmm. just falls entirely flat. And the problem with it too, not only is it just misguided, it just doesn't it make sense coming from Jay. Because it relays and exposes Jay as potentially being
0: somewhat racist. Yeah, and and he's ma- supposed to be a prophet in the movie.
1: Yeah, it doesn't. It just doesn't <laughs> make sense. Now, yeah. Smith says that it was in one of the early cuts from the test cuts, right? And that mm-hmm. the, the test audience just didn't find it funny. They just think it was funny. It didn't really work, even though they all thought it was hilarious. So they mm. cut it. Yeah, the whole scene is a deleted scene in the DVD. I'm assuming in the Blu-ray. It, but it is not good. It is not funny. It is overly long. That whole scene runs for another fifty seconds. Uh maybe another minute and a half. It explains why later on in the strip club they're very all very friendly. But mm-hmm. it's it's bad. It is not good at all.
0: Yeah. Sounds like a wise cut. At, S- at least they cut it. <laughs> yeah.
1: So there you go, Smith and Smith maniacs Yeah, we included yeah. if you've never heard it or seen it, I gave you at least the Fat Albert rendition.
0: Yeah.
1: I've saved you from <laughs> Jay's racist taunts, which I don't know. I, 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 Maybe I understand what he's trying to go for, but it's a big swing and a miss. You know, it, yeah. it's, it's way too pitchy for me. You know, it's 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 no. Good. Yeah,
0: it's I don't, I don't think we need it. We don't need it.
1: No. Yeah. And one thing about this film, too, which I appreciated that we start to ease up on the gay and the hard R jokes.
0: In yeah, yeah. I think it's kind of interesting this movie. As far as what Kevin Smith has done thus far in his career, at this point, he he really is shifting pr- pretty dramatically into what he's joking about. And I'm I'm more comfortable with this. Like I'm I'm more comfortable with like, hey, you know, maybe we should give the idea of the Catholic Church a hard time. Like let's do that instead of like. I, I, don't, I don't know. It just feels like a little more like, again, I'm more comfortable with this, like the way I was comfortable with the stuff he was doing in clerks, which is like, this is stuff, you know, this is your story. This mm-hmm. like what, what I was not feeling and chasing Amy was, I was like, Ugh, you're telling your version of the story, but like, you're missing her story. It's right here and you're missing it. And so at least now he's back to, he's like, I was raised Catholic. I know how the church can make people do dumb shit. say, say dumb shit uh and and maybe maybe we can poke a little fun at it and still tell some dirty jokes so i don't know it just feels like it's stronger because he understands the content and he has something to say about it and uh what got cut is something that he doesn't have good commentary on yeah no feels a Mm -hmm. little bit better
1: I'm still, I'm still after I don't watch it, again. I maybe it was just of the time, I guess. Even then, it's I, I don't Swing and a miss. Yeah, yeah. Abs- absolutely. That's my Stallone. Does <laughs> that work? Abs- <laughs> I got. I'm working on absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> it's not there. I gotta practice.
0: <laughs> well, so we kind of we kind of covered all of our casting whisk universe connections. Mm-hmm. This movie is like so light. Though on tying everything into the characters, like Jay and Silent Bob are Jay and Silent Bob, they do mention the Quick Stop, but like we're not diving into but the it was nonsense. So forced,
1: of, wasn't it? It felt very like the mention the, the, of the Quick Stop felt very.
0: It you don't need it, <sighs> like you just don't like. We know who they are, and if if you were like me and you didn't know the Quick Stop, you still like. Just living in the world, I knew Jay and Silent Bob as these characters. Mm -hmm. Like, just from being a teenager then. I just knew that. So, yeah, you don't need it. But it was good that they didn't, like, force in some other nonsense. And we have Bartleby's a a seer. He's He can see, like, all through. He's been watching history this whole time. I'm glad he didn't tell some weird story about, like trish the dish we don't need to know what he was creeping on in new jersey so i'm right. glad they didn't force in anything extra to connect it to like the same fucking high school mm. that we keep kind of like imaginary high school class of people we keep going back to yep. so it was it was light on the connections but of course it introduces movie into the universe which will be very important later yes uh, very important within the movie itself but uh coming back strong in Jane's island bob strike back and of course clerks too mm-hmm. we will have more movie so much more movie
1: <laughs> <laughs> so i i hinted about it earlier and i think part of it is i had pocketed it for later in the show for our discussion because I can't seem to keep the format of the show straight in at least yeah. some of the pri- the prizes or the award stuff we do. I am right. thinking in my head, well, I, I want to save this scene because I want it <laughs> to be my favorite scene in the film, which we don't do that. This, <laughs> but that's fine. So I want to talk a few minutes about the boardroom scene. Yeah. Which I think is the highlight of this film. And weirdly, it's... How do I put this? It is the smoothest of all the scenes in the film. I think the mm-hmm. way Damon and Affleck play off of each other is great. <laughs> They're so good. And the writing and the dialogue and the line deliveries, I think, are just, the way the, the scene just flows, Yeah, it is, I think, one of the best things Smith has ever done. What are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, no, I, I absolutely loved it. Even though, again, <laughs> I'm gonna say it again, that I saw this movie on TV, there is nothing about that scene that you need to remove from television as far as like broadcast goes. There's no questionable language in it. Everything, all the violence is off camera. It's implied. It's just, you don't need to edit that at all to show it on comedy central at four in the afternoon. It's fine the way it is. And, you know, just watching that scene, I was like, well, those, those guys are really good. (laughs) Like this is, this is incredible. Like it's, it's one of the best parts of the movie um you know i know they talked about like the length of the movie was a concern like through their commentaries they Mm -hmm. mentioned the movie runtime was always and it's just a kevin smith thing that the runtime is always going to be ridiculous to start with but that the studio was never ever wanting them to cut this because it's ben and matt you can't cut a ben and matt scene
1: (laughs) no yeah and from what i understand that they had actually designed to shoot the whole scene, like shoot the violence, shoot yeah. Loki going in and killing everybody. They had this whole grand thing drawn up and how are they going to do it? Yeah. But I, because, and then in, in, in they talk about this too, right? Because all the boardroom members are all stunt people. They actually mm-hmm. flew yeah, them yeah. out, hired stunt, stunt workers yes. to then do this basically big action set piece where yeah. Loki kills everybody. And I think, I don't know if it was timing, if it was money, Whatever, or maybe a combination of both, whatever it mm-hmm. is. And mm-hmm. they ended up doing it all off screen. And one of the big critiques of this film at the time was how violent it was and how, A, it's supposed to be a comedy dealing with faith and you have so much violence. But a lot of that's in almost this entire scene. It happens off screen, right? We cut back into the room. You see some blood on the walls. There's some blood on the door, right? At one point, Mm -hmm. there's a, you know, like a squib that shoots on the door as after you start shooting people, but you don't see anything that actually happens. Exactly. So, um, but still Affleck and Damon make a lot of fun choices in this particular Mm -hmm. scene. And it is, like I said, I think it's the best part of the whole damn film.
0: Yeah. It's so good. So I think that was, for both of us, probably our favorite scene in the movie. So hmm. let's get into our other picks for this. What's Absolutely. your favorite Sorry. performance? Individual performance in this movie.
1: Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you.
0: If you should decide to stop being selfish and accept your responsibility, you won't be alone. You'll have support. What?
1: More angels? Prophets
0: in a manner of speaking. uh, Two of them. The one who speaks, and he will, at great length, whether you want him to or not, will make mention of himself (laughs) as a prophet. The other one, well, he's a quiet time. Look, I've got to
1: go. Just try and remember,
0: we're working in a time frame here.
1: So, it's Alan Rickman for me. He probably has 15 minutes of scream time in the whole thing. But he, for me, was the most enjoyable part of the film. Particularly, too, also at the end when he shows up with God, right? Played by Alanis Morissette. Mm-hmm. And when she cleans up the city after all the carnage. <laughs> and then he, he still has some blood on his shirt or something, right? Yeah. And it's just... Yeah.
0: He's just so frustrated. He's yeah. so great.
1: So Rickman yeah. is the most fun for me uh, in the film. I know it's it's a much smaller role. But he just what he's able to bring to the role is just so much gravitas and and still fun and his his deliveries of his lines are, are some of my favorite in the film like when when Fiorentino asks him what God's like and he's like funny you know the way he says how funny <laughs> yeah. she is you know it's just it's just perfection
0: yeah he's like so weirdly comforting yeah
1: yeah that's yeah. a great way to put it you're exactly right yeah. You feel like everything's going to be okay mm-hmm. when Rickman shows
0: up. For sure. <laughs> oh, he's awesome. He's so, so great in this. So my favorite performance, this feels like like a bit of an unfair choice because I just had such a world class crush on Matt Damon at this time. And he's just my favorite thing about this movie. I think he's so genuine and adorable and not sure if he's funny and in all of that, he is so completely funny. And uh I just I enjoyed everything he does as Loki. I just think he's so, so funny. And even, you know, we didn't really get like too much into the exact beats of the plot, but like mm-hmm. the shift that Loki and Bartleby have, yeah, um through you know, they they turn in the movie where Loki's on a mission and Bartleby's just kind of like, this seems like a good idea. And then, Bartleby just kind of loses it, and Loki's like, ah, shit, I'm kind of stuck here. And he just manages... It's, like, way easier to kind of be along with it and then get really intense as the Bartleby character. I feel like his journey makes more sense. But for for Loki to be, you know, let's, let's go kill some people. I want to kill some sinners. I want to get back to my old job. And then to just be like, wait a second, I think we've made a huge mistake. Mm-hmm. And it all just works? Like, he's just... He's so great in it. And then he's all just sad and drunk at the end. Yeah. So <laughs> I just, I really, I love Matt Damon in this movie so much. I
1: thought it was one of the more endearing, 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 what the hell? One of the more <laughs> endearing things too during the commentary where they're talking about how Damon was very nervous because he hadn't yeah. done comedy before and he kept checking yeah. with Affleck and Smith like, is this working? Am I, yeah. is it, am I doing okay? Am I
0: funny? Yeah. It's like, yes, yes, you are funny. Promise.
1: So one thing we don't we don't we haven't talked about at all is Jason Lee's Ezreal character and he's yeah. he's our villain and yet we haven't mentioned him at all and aren't you a big Lee fan? What what's up with that?
0: Well he he just got eclipsed in this movie by new crush for me at the time of Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did though really really like his character in this because he is just so matter of fact, like yeah, I'm fine with undoing existence. That's how much I hate my existence. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm taking everyone down with me. He's so snarky and matter of fact, and I, I don't know why he's wearing like a full on linen suit, but I'm not mad at it. <laughs> it's it's quite a look. Also, I have for sure used his line about air conditioning. <laughs> living living in Florida. Yes. Yeah, it's true.
1: That is one of my favorite dumb gags. And I don't know if it was a... It, listening to the commentary, I don't think it was a gag. It was when he turns on the air conditioning in the house. Oh, yeah. And they have the little tape strings or yeah, whatever.
0: in the wind. So you know that it's blowing. <laughs> like, anybody would Audiences do that are dumb. in their home. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. It was just so ridiculous. Anyway, yeah. and then uh, honorable perfect. mention performance for me, too, I want to mention just quickly, too, because we haven't talked about him yet at all, is George Carlin as Cardinal Ignatius Glick. Oh. He okay. is very funny but exceptionally believable in this role which is yeah if you were if you're a carlin fan at all of the time you'd realize how incredibly crazy a statement that is yeah. but still he is a lot of fun in this as well and he has some great deliveries he he is one of the more fun aspects of this thing again not a lot of uh, screen time here mm-hmm. but still i just wanted to give a quick little shout out to carlin in this thing
0: yeah yeah he's he's really really great in it all right our next category here, best reference.
1: So here's the problem, right? So you talked earlier <laughs> about just the connections to the view of skew verse. But yeah. the references are small. There are mm-hmm. few, if any. So yeah, it's not I, a whole lot. I guess I'm just going to go with the Shermer, Illinois thing. <laughs> Illinois, as Jay says. <laughs> and it's very tangential because it just talks about how, you know, Jay at the end of Chasing Amy says, like, does he say they've got to go to Illinois or at least I got to go someplace? And I don't know.
0: But yeah, it, I feel like it comes up.
1: So at the end, though, when Jay and and Bob finally show up in Chasing Amy, you know, they leave because they have to go do something. And what that thing is, is go to Shermer, Illinois, to uh, <laughs> meet up with some fine ladies. Right. That's the yeah. whole Plus, yep. it's it's rife for selling weed, right? So that's why yeah. they they came they go to yes. Illinois. Of course, there is no Shermer, Illinois, <laughs> which they talk about in the film. But yeah, uh, yeah. so I guess that's it because that and it's one quick stop reference, right? Yeah. Or what else?
0: Yeah. No, I mean that that's pretty much it because we can't, even though we have all the foresight, I, I don't think we can count that Judd Nelson is fucking harsh. <laughs> he's going to come back and <laughs> Jay and Silent Bob strike back as like an asshole cop. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we can count that because it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Yeah. But like internal view askew reference. And we, we really got nothing here. I guess the best thing is that this was like in the credits saying Jay and Silent Bob will return in Dogma earlier. <laughs> like that we have this movie was set up in the credits. Uh, was that the credits of Clerks. Or is it the credits of Mallrats? Now I can't remember. I think it was Clerks. Because this yeah, was I, the
1: film they were going to do next. And yeah. they ended up doing Mallrats, Mallrats
0: like, is like the was like the studio idea.
1: And then the James Bond yeah. returns. Will return in this film is Clerks 2, Hardly Clerking. Which does yeah. not happen either. Right? Yeah. We we get the whole Jane and Silent Bob strike back. Which, again, I'm terrified to revisit. Because it's a film I thought was hilarious at the time yeah, as well. I, we'll,
0: I got to keep we'll track see. of my LOLs. <laughs> yeah, <you still> <laughs> a ticker. yeah yeah for sure yeah so internal references we don't really have a lot so I gotta go external reference and the no ticket moment makes me cackle ah. every time it is the perfect delivery like it's just so good the way that it's silent Bob throwing them off the train like it's it's just him one at a time throwing Matt Damon off like Loki is just sort of like oh I'm getting thrown off a train like so casually but just, you know, the poor guy in the corner and just no ticket. That's, that's so good.
1: That is a great one. And I, and I want to play a quick one, too, from a deleted scene. Because every Smith film has kind of Star Wars reference, right?
0: Yes. But yes, the yes.
1: cut one, but just as a treat, just because we love you. Dude. Here is a Star Wars reference yes. from Dogma. Now, I'm just spitballing here. Shuck and jive a little bit. But I think it's all about organized religion and society's battle against it. The rebels are fighting the empire, right? Now, the empire is led by whom? Darth Vader? No, it's led by the emperor. And the emperor is a practitioner of the force, albeit the dark side of the force. And the force is basically a religion. So, the entire galaxy is under imperial rule, and the imperial government is run by this old religion. What you have there, my friend, is a theocracy, a government run by the church. So, Luke, Han, and Leia, are fighting that government to liberate the galaxy from the pious grip of what is in essence holy mother church right right it's good right not as good as the death star conversation
0: no nowhere near as good i think that's like i feel can't help but feel like that's why you cut it like oh well it's not the smartest thing i've ever said about star wars so i'd rather leave it out
1: yeah so <laughs> fair enough
0: still so. So good to know that it happened.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, do you have a favorite joke?
0: So, I tr- I tried to think of like what I watched it over and over, and I was like, "What is my favorite joke? Like, what is it?" And it truly, the line that I love the most isn't actually a joke, but I laugh every time and I say it all the time. Mm. It's like right up there with a bunch of savages in this town. Is the whole fucking world's against us, dude? I swear to God. Like it just it is so funny with Jay's delivery of that, and it's just such a fun one to say from time to time. Whole fucking world's against us, dude. I swear to God.
1: The whole fucking world's against us, dude. I swear to God. No, that is a great one. <laughs> I like uh uh Jay, you know, hoping that big-breasted women would fall out of the sky. <laughs> which is a great little line after Chris Rock shows up as mm-hmm. the Apostle, which, again, something we didn't mention. Chris Rock is a blast in this thing. And you know the craziest yeah. thing, my favorite joke about this in this film is a Chris Rock ad lib. When they ask him, when when, when Bethany Linda <laughs> Fiorentino asks him, you knew Jesus? He says, no one. Brother owes me 12 bucks.
0: <laughs> it is so good
1: it is i laugh every time i hear it because it's it's just so perfect absolutely yeah. perfect yeah so, it so and good. it's i don't know if it's blasphemous part of the pun for me to even say that that my favorite <laughs> joke in the whole film is an ad lib by a, one of the actors and not written by smith but yeah alas I think here it's we okay. are
0: it's okay all right good. it's okay to appreciate the moments
1: and just hang tight though for the stinger, because then you'll hear my probably my other favorite moment, my other favorite gag in the in the film. So <laughs> thanks to thanks to our beloved Jay.
0: <laughs> so good.
1: So, uh, before we get into the final rating, I wanted yeah. to give you a little bit of knowledge, which I found fascinating when I was doing my research. Okay. Dogma finished third. An opening weekend when it came out. 1999. Oh. The films it beat... Excuse me. That beat it. Pardon me. Number two is Pokemon, the first movie. Oh. <laughs> and then The Bone Collector with Denzel Washington and Angelina oh. Jolie. That was number one.
0: Man.
1: A film I did not like when it first I came out. I
0: liked that movie. <laughs> I liked that movie. But yeah, I got to say The weekend that... Dude, that weekend I probably saw Pokemon. <laughs> mm. <laughs> that would have been what I saw. The audacity of calling it the first movie.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, remember, I watched Dogma that night. I think we did a screening. And then I remember, yeah. I think I came in earlier. I came in on my day off to watch The Bone Collector. And I was like, well, this is not terribly good. But uh, yeah. I so like think I should
0: revisit that. Find out if it was uh, actually good or not. Or if I was just like... My standards were low.
1: could be. I don't know.
0: It could be. It. You seem it pretty discriminated. Like, I don't know. That movie felt like a... Is it a remake?
1: No, but it's an adaptation of a, of a book series.
0: Okay. Because it felt like... There was like, a TV
1: show remake of the film, I believe.
0: Oh. I don't know. It felt like something older that was just sort of happening. Then. I don't know. I don't know how to explain that. That doesn't really sound that smart. But I for sure... <laughs> for sure saw pokemon the first movie and then watched it like on tape a bunch
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you know babysitting my cousins good times not not because i loved the movie and had the soundtrack it's definitely not because of that that soundtrack was amazing
1: Take your word for it
0: (laughs) it's so good it's like some really really classic late 90s pop nice yeah great stuff are we, is it time for the the movie ratings? Yeah, I
1: think I think so. I gotta work. I, I gotta get some kind of drum roll clip in here at some point. That'll be fun. But uh, no. So, what do you what, what did you think?
0: So, I went into this thinking that I was gonna rate it like super high. It was the first Kevin Smith movie I saw. Kind of set me down this path. I loved Matt Damon and Ben Affleck in this. I remember thinking it was so funny and it was one of the first times I saw a movie and was like, that's mm-hmm. kind of smart. And then just rewatching it, I was like, yeah, there's some good stuff here, but I'm not like loving this experience the way I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, just a 3.
1: Is that out of 3?
0: 3.0 out of 5. Oof. No, I that know. is
1: incorrect uh the proper (laughs) score for dogma is four and a half actually i'm tying it right now with chasing amy i think it's it doesn't have i think the it doesn't have the emotional heft that chasing amy does but i think this is a more competent film it is a progression i think smith Mm -hmm. expands himself here and does a great job with this film tackling some potentially difficult subject matter uh, something that's kind of close to his heart as well in some kind of high, high concept stuff here, but still being able to deliver, I think, a very, very funny comedy. So I'm, I am going to give Dogma a four and a half. Maybe after a couple of beers, you can talk me down to a four. I'm in a particularly nasty mood, but right now I'm sitting at a four and a half again for Dogma.
0: That is high praise.
1: There you go. <laughs> You're welcome, America and the world, wow, the universe. So what's coming up next week, boss?
0: How terrible is it that I can't find the, the sheet right now? So I don't remember. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, What is this? Why can't I find it? Why don't I just know?
1: I don't know. Why don't you know?
0: But I don't.
1: I mean, I only mentioned it a couple times.
0: Is wait, is Jane Silent Bob Strike Back next? Yep, what man, look at me being totally prepared. Yeah, okay,
1: you want to reset that?
0: (laughs) No, I think we should leave me in not knowing. I think it's
1: (laughs) you never get it, you're never going to get your NPR gig, you know, or your uh, so yes, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back is next week.
0: Wow. This is gonna be weird, but okay.
1: I forgot Eliza Dushka was in that.
0: Well, how could you forget that?
1: Well, because I was more of a Shannon Elizabeth guy, who was also <laughs> in that.
0: <laughs> oh, that's gonna be a weird episode. I I've seen that one a lot, like a lot. I so s- that that's next. I
1: saw that in the theater. I think I've watched my DVD. I think twice, but I have not watched it in at least ten years, if not longer.
0: <gasps> oh boy so boy
1: this will be a fun and interesting revisit that is for sure yeah
0: so that'll be that'll be the next episode but for now you can find screen run anywhere podcasts are found give us a review and a rating and you can follow us on twitter i am at the lady Wan. that's w-a-n and chris is at cg scalzo i wrote it down this time look at you yeah I wrote that down I didn't write down what the next fucking movie is (laughs) (laughs) and of course you can check out screenrun.fun for all the information you could ever need about this show
1: (laughs) I love that you just get so elated and so filled with joy every time you get to say that dot
0: fun (laughs) it makes me so happy like so happy
1: (laughs) good times I'm glad good for you
0: So we'll talk to you next time, guys. Take care. That would make Bethany part
1: black.